Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Gary Chevalier. Hey, welcome everyone to Parkway Fellowship today. So glad you're here. And again, I want to welcome our friends at Oak Park. So excited that you guys are streaming with us again today. And as you just saw, we are smack in the middle of our God Never Said That series. And so last week, if you'll recall, we talked about the fact that God never said, I just want you to be happy. Now, right now, if you're going, wait, what? He never said, what? I want to encourage you, go to our Parkway Fellowship app, go to parkwayfellowship.com and watch last week's message, and you will find out that yes, God actually never said, I just want you to be happy. So today, we are jumping into the next lie, which is basically this, that God never said, I won't give you more than you can handle. Because believing these lies is dangerous. It skews our image of who God is. It attacks God's character. And really, at the end of the day, we begin to create this idol that we worship of a God who doesn't really exist. Because when we believe these lies, we're not believing in who God really is and what he said. And so last week's lie really was based on something that God actually did say, and this week's week's lie is very similar as well. And honestly, just like last week's lie, there's a real probability that you've said something like you just saw, like you've put your arm around somebody in a, when they were having a rough go at it, or maybe someone said that to you one time and you, know, you were just feeling a little down and overwhelmed and they just said, hey, look, it's okay. God will never give you more than you can handle. And the truth is, he never ever said that. And so some of you are being taken aback right now and you're like, but I, I know he had to have said that. I was in the Christian bookstore just the other day. I bought this thing for my wall. It's in my living room right now. And it says, I know God will not give me anything I can't handle. I just wish he didn't trust me so much. And really Gary, Mother Teresa said that. So if I'm judging, there's Mother Teresa there's Gary, Mother Teresa. I mean, surely it's in the Bible if Mother Teresa said it. Well, guess what, folks? Mama's wrong again. God never said that. Okay, and I'm not trying to throw shade on Mother Teresa. Listen, she was amazing, all right? She followed God. She loved God. She gave her life for people. Mother Teresa was great. And honestly, the fact that Mother Teresa said that really illustrates a great point and about how easy it is for these untruths to infiltrate our thinking. Because if that can get in Mother Teresa's head, it can very easily get into our head. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why it's so important that you read scripture and study the Bible yourself. You can't rely on Mother Teresa to tell you what the Bible said. You can't rely on the Jesus junk at Hobby Lobby or Mardell to tell you what the Bible said. And in 100% transparency, you can't rely on me to tell you what, the, what God said. I will do my very best to tell you what I believe God says in the Bible, but you've gotta read and study scripture yourself. Everything that you hear from up here, you put it up against the Bible. I wanna encourage you to do that. Don't take anything for face value. Read and study scripture on your own. 
So, as we said, last week's lie was based off something that God actually did say. And believe it or not, this week's lie is based off something God said too. Isn't that weird that there's kind of a pattern there that the evil one takes what God said and twists it just a little bit so that it sounds good, but it's not actually it. So here is the scripture that it comes from. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. It says this, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Now underline the word tempted there. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. That's it. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And that's great news if you're being tempted. Because what that means is when you're in a situation, God will always provide a way out so that you don't have to sin. There will never be a point in your life that you have no choice but to sin. So that's a comforting thought for temptation. But that verse says nothing about the day-to-day life and daily struggles that we go through. In 100% honesty, the reverse of that is true. Like if you are actively following God and you are genuinely seeking his will and following his principles and trying to be a Christ follower and do what God tells you to do, then you can pretty much bet that you will be given more than you can handle. It's basically a guarantee. This book is filled with examples of people who were given more than they can handle. Moses had to go to Pharaoh, basically the leader of the biggest, baddest country on the earth at that time, and get the slave nation of Israel released from slavery, far more than he could handle. Gideon had to take 300 Israelites against Midian, which was innumerable, the Bible tells us, and they defeated him, far more than he could handle. So from Esther to King David to the Apostle Paul to Elijah, all over the Bible, we find people who were given more than they can handle. Over and over, those accounts come in Scripture. So you, if you're following the Lord, you can expect to get more than you can handle. Now, one of the things Andrea and I love to do is we love to run together. Um, We have recently been walking together, though. Uh, She's got a little thing going on in her knee that it hurts to run but not to walk. And so somewhere on Facebook, one of her friends challenged us to do 100 miles in July. And, you know, like idiots, we're like, okay, let's do 100 miles this July. So even though her knee is a little little wonky, we're, we're still plowing through it. So in case you're curious, as of yesterday, July 15th, we're at 49 miles. So we're halfway there, on track. Um, but since we're not running and gasping for every breath just to live, you know, we're walking and we've been able to have some really good conversation as we go. And we talk about, you know, just things, hey, how's it going at work? What's going on with you? How are the kids? You know, what are some things we see in them? How can we help grow them the right direction? You know, normal kind of things, which just a quick public service announcement for those of you that are married, find time to talk together. It it doesn't have to be walking, it's nice, but it doesn't have to be that, but just find time to sit and communicate so you can find out what your spouse is going through and what they're thinking and vice versa. That's so important. Okay, PSA over. 
So on our walks, we end, really end up doing a lot of problem solving. And we'll talk about this and that, and how do we fix this, and where can we go with this, and what does that need to look like? And, and sometimes, particularly with me, um, that, that our problem solving turns into a little more of a lament. Like, I can't believe we have another problem to deal with. And it's like, oh, Lord, really? Yet again, something new? Because it doesn't always seem like every time you get things going the way you want them, just every time you finally get over that hump, bam, there's something new. Does that happen to anybody else? It's like, you know, you finally get your finances in order and you're like, okay, we're gonna make some headway and then bam, the AC in your car goes out. You know, I mean, you got an hour commute into Houston, you can't show up at your first appointment and pit out, right? So you gotta spend the money. Or, or maybe you finally find a boyfriend who seems to really care about you and, and really is into you and wants to spend time with you and all those things, and then bam, your friend shows you that he's got a second Snapchat account and the girl's his arms are wrapped around in that picture is not you. Or, or maybe your mom has cancer and she's in ICU and so you're, you're working really hard to help take care of her and be there for her and then bam, your dad's medicine for dementia gets off and he starts being belligerent and aggressive and the facility that he's at calls you and says, you gotta find a new place for him to live. While you're handling your mom's cancer, while you're handling your job, while you're handling your kids' schedules and you just think, uncle, I can't take anymore. And in those moments, it would feel so good to be able to go, I know God won't give me more than I can handle. Because doesn't that sound like what a loving God would do? He would come alongside you and say, oh, I won't give you more than you can handle. It's gonna be okay. But that's not who God is. I mean, it seems right, but it's not. Because there's a danger in believing that lie. And that danger is this. Because when we believe the lie that God will never give us more than we can handle, it means that I don't need Jesus I can save myself. That's your first fill-in on your message notes. I don't need Jesus. I can save myself. And that may sound a little bit extreme to say it that way, but think with me for just a moment. We all already innately have a problem that we can't handle. It's bigger than us, and that's sin. We all have a sin problem that we can't handle, we can't correct it, we can't overcome it. The danger of believing that we can do it ourselves is that it leads us to believe that if we just do enough good, we can cancel out the sin. There was a TV show last year um, called The Good Place. And the, the premise of this TV show was that there was a lady who was a bad person in life and she died, and somehow, through some cosmic mix-up, she ended up in the good place. And the whole series was about her trying to act good and do good things so that no one would figure out she wasn't supposed to be there. And that really encapsulates most people's view of heaven. That it's a good place, and you get there by doing good things. But the problem is, there's no amount of good things that can cancel out sin. Sin, scripture tells us, will eternally separate you from God if it's not forgiven. 
and there is nothing that you can do about it. The only thing that can cancel out sin is forgiveness through Jesus Christ and what he already accomplished on the cross. See, Jesus Christ, God's son, left heaven, came to earth and lived a life as a man, sinless. But he endured death on a cross. He was crucified and the sin of the world was placed on him. At that moment, he received the punishment that we deserve for our sin. Three days later, he rose from the dead, conquering sin and death and providing for us the opportunity to receive forgiveness for that sin with which we could not ourselves become okay with God. But through Jesus Christ, we can. And if you have never reached the point in your life where you have committed your life to follow Christ and you have asked for forgiveness of that sin through what he did on the cross, then I wanna invite you to do that today. At the bottom of your message notes on the back, there is a sample prayer that you can pray that will guide you in the process of becoming a Christ follower. And scripture tells us that if you pray those words and you mean them, that Jesus will come into your life right now, that he will forgive all of the sin you've ever done and that your eternity in the real heaven will be secured. And I wanna encourage you to make that decision today. All right, so if we can't overcome our sin problem on our own and God never said, I'll give you, I won't give you more than you can handle, then what did God actually say? And it's this, God actually said, I will never give you more than I can handle. I will never give you more than I can handle. All right, the Apostle Paul, who wrote a good portion of the New Testament, uh, said this in 2 Corinthians 1, verse eight through 10. Get your pen out, we're gonna do, some, do a little writing here. 2 Corinthians 1, verse eight. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. All right, now take your pen and underline beyond our ability to endure. Because essentially, right there, Paul just said, this is more than we can handle. And if there was ever anyone in the history of the world who wore the blue tights with the red cape, has the big JC right here, it was the Apostle Paul, right? And the Apostle Paul said, this was beyond our ability to endure. All right, moving on. And we thought we would never live through it, verse nine. In fact, we expected to die. Now. I've done some pretty crazy things in my life. I've been in some tense situations and some things have transpired around me that were really scary. But I can honestly say I've never been in a point that I actually expected to die. I mean, the possibility was always there, but I didn't like really expect it. It wasn't like, oh, here we go, Jesus, I'm coming. Never, it never happened. Paul says they were at the point they were overwhelmed and crushed and they expected to die. Okay, moving on to scripture. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God. Now circle rely only on God. Who raises the dead? Now circle who raises the dead. 
Verse 10, and he did rescue us from mortal danger and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him and he will continue to rescue us. Now circle, he will continue to rescue us. The reason God allows us to experience and endure more than we can handle is found in these three circles in the scripture. So let's talk about them. The first one, well, the reason God will give us more than we can handle, but not more than he can handle is this, is that we learn to rely only on God. We learn to rely only on God. I mean, that sounds easy enough, right? But what, what do most of us do? Most of us, we generally try to rely on ourselves first, and then God's like our backup, right? Like, I'm going to do all that I can do. I'm going to work hard, and then finally, when I reach the end, when I'm stressed out and broken and exhausted, then I say, okay, God, you come in and get it into the end zone for me, right? Isn't that what we typically do? But that's not what Scripture tells us to do. We need to rely on God alone. Think about the prophet Jonah, all right? If you don't know the story of Jonah, uh, it's in the Bible, in a book cleverly entitled Jonah, and I wanna encourage you guys, if you haven't read it, read it this week. It's a fantastic story. There's so much good stuff in there, but today we're gonna go to chapter two, and Jonah finds himself in the middle of this ocean, all right? Tossed out of the boat, swallowed by a great big fish. Now many of, uh, many of us have heard this story called Jonah and the whale, all right? But the Bible says a, a great fish. And you know, honestly, scholars think it might be a whale, but it could be a shark. It might be a whale shark. We don't really know. Back in that day, they didn't have the scientific notific, you know, nomenclature that we have today. So pretty much anything that swam in the water and had fins was deemed a fish. So whatever it was, let's not get lost in the weeds on that one because he was in the middle of the ocean and got eaten. It doesn't matter what ate him, right? Okay, so inside the belly of the great big fish whale, chapter two, verse two. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. All right, now notice there is nothing there that says Jonah plotted his escape from the belly of the whale. Like, he didn't try to thrash about and turn around and give the fish indigestion. He didn't do his very best to be Dory and speak whale and go, hello, Mr. Whale. Will you let me out? Right? No. First thing he did, in distress, I called to the Lord. Immediately from the belly of that big whale, Jonah knew this is beyond what I can handle. I need to call on God. Because don't we all have this thing in our head that like it's this little magic indicator that says this is more you can handle? It goes off when you hear things like, I don't think I can do this. Ooh, that seems like a little too much and it's going off in the back of our heads. My problem when that happens, and I think a lot of our problems is, we don't immediately turn to God because we've been taught 
to pick ourselves up by our bootstraps, to set our jaw into the wind, to work hard and grit it out. Right? WWJWD, what would John Wayne do? <laughs> True grit, that's what we've been taught and that's what we do. Because after all, God helps those who helps themselves, right? Uh-huh, yeah, no, of course not. That's not in the Bible either. But we don't have time to talk about that one today. We'll save that for another time. But immediately, when that little light goes off in your head that says, this is more than I can handle, that's when you need to call on God. That's when you need to start relying on God in that moment. Not when you've done everything that you can do, that moment, because what you're doing is you are pronouncing your dependence on God, and you are saying, God, you are God, I am not. I need your help, and I trust in you. And that's what it all boils down to, is trusting in God, relying on Him in every situation and in every circumstance. All right, the next thing, the next one we circled, the next reason is this, is we need to experience his power. God allows us those situations so we will experience his power. Now, earlier we circled the phrase, who raises the dead? All right, that's pretty amazing. I mean, can you raise the dead? I certainly can't. I've heard about people like buying a new pet goldfish when the other goldfish dies and their kid never really knows that. But that's not really raising the dead. I mean, raising the dead, that's amazing. But that's what Jesus did and that's what God did through Jesus. But when we're in the middle of life's struggles and trials and the world is just beating down on us, it is so easy to forget God's power. It's for easy to forget that God spoke the words and created everything that there is. When we get in those situations that are beyond what we can do, that's the perfect moment for us to call on the Lord and then experience the power of the one who created all that is, that is omnipotent, who knows everything and has ultimate power over everything. If you can handle every situation, you would never have a need to experience that power from God. But when you get in over your head, that's when you need him, that's when you experience him. And the more you do it, the more times it happens, just like with anything else, the easier it gets, the easier it gets. Now the Apostle Paul, we talked about him earlier, uh, was a very talented and capable man. He was very smart. He was street smart and he was book smart. He was one of those kind of people that we all love to hate, right? Because generally aren't people either book smart or street smart? Like I have a friend who used to look at me and say, Gary, you are the dumbest smart guy I know. <laughs> because this is filled with untold amounts of useless knowledge. But when it comes to reading people and when it comes to social situations, I'm generally pretty socially clueless. Um, Paul was not that guy at all. He knew books, he knew people, and he really was tough, like UFC fighter tough, because he would go to a town, preach Jesus, and then would get beat half to death and thrown outside. And then he would get up, go to the next town, preach about Jesus, get beat half to death, thrown out, get up, 
over and over. He just took beating after beating after beating. Paul was tough. He was amazing in all three of those things, people, books, and toughness. But even Paul had a weakness. He calls it a thorn in his flesh. And we never know exactly what that weakness was, but we know that Paul begged God to take it away from him. And Paul was like, I can serve you so much better without this. But God never took that thorn in his flesh away. And here's why. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Your weakness shows God's strength. And when you're trying to push through yourself and we're trying to do it all yourself, your efforts are colliding with God. And God's a gentleman about it. He's gonna let you do your thing until you fully call on him. But as long as you're working to do things in your own strength, as long as you're trusting in yourself, it's not gonna happen. You've got to realize his power and let it go. And when you begin to trust and fully rely on his power, he takes care of you. And then it gets easier and easier and easier. And some of you a little while ago, when I said that I generally am clueless in social situations, some of you were probably thinking, well, that's weird. It doesn't seem like that. And the answer is, that's God's power working in me. Because I'm far better now than I used to be but if you were to talk to my wife or you were to talk to someone who knew me 15 years ago, they would tell you that I created a lot of relational damage. I hurt a lot of people by the things that I would say and the things that I would do. Unintentionally, but I still did it. God's power has had to grow through me and I've had to learn how to rely on him in these people-oriented professions which he keeps placing me in as a, as a pastor and then previously as a principal. Always around people. I'm like, Lord, why? Why do you pick people jobs for me? Can't I just be locked in an office somewhere? But he always gives me people jobs. And I always have to rely on him to experience his power. What about you? What's your thorn in the flesh? What's your weakness that you really wish wasn't there? Are you relying on God's power? Are you trying to muscle through yourself? Are you trying to figure it out? Are you trying to be the one to conquer it? Or are you giving that to God daily and asking God to make his power perfect in your weakness? All right, the last takeaway that we have from this verse of scripture, the last takeaway of why God will give us more than we can handle, but not more than he can handle is this, is because it gives us hope for the future. It gives us hope for the future because it says he will continue to rescue us. Paul knew God had rescued him before and he would rescue him again. He had hope that God would do it. Because every time God rescued him, it got easier and easier and easier. The struggles didn't change. The people were still resistant to the gospel that he preached, but he still kept doing it. And each time he did it with more boldness and more confidence, knowing 
that God was gonna take care of them. Because there will always be more ahead of us that we can handle. Jesus promises that. He says it in John chapter 16, verse 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. Not maybe, not probably. You will have trouble. But we can look at our future and be encouraged because he says, take heart. I have overcome the world. Whatever trial you're facing, Jesus has overcome it. Whatever struggle you're enduring, Jesus has overcome it. Whatever trouble you're in, Jesus has overcome it. Whatever grief you're experiencing, Jesus has overcome it. And he is reaching out his hand to you and saying, take heart. Trust me, I have overcome the world. I I did it for them, I'll do it for you. And I'll do it again and again and again. Just trust me. When you allow God to make his power perfect in your weakness and you trust him and you rely on him over and over and over again, you start to see struggles and trials in a different way. It's not just the struggle and trial that you're in. It is an opportunity for God to show his power and to do something amazing through you. When it's your strength that you're trusting in, when you turn inward, you're gonna fail. But when you give it to God, you follow him, you trust him, you walk with him, and then his power is made perfect in your weakness. And you have hope that he will always, always rescue you in the days to come. Please bow your heads, let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much, Father, that we don't have to go through life and figure it all out on our own. God, I thank you that you will never give us more than you can handle, but God, whenever we reach the point that we can't handle it, we can always look to you. And we can always reach to you, God, and you will always be there to take care of us, to show us the way, to show your power, to do the impossible, to to grant peace, Father, to give us strength. Everything we need, Lord, is found in you. And, And God, I just, I praise you for that. I pray for everyone in this room this morning, God, those that listening at Oak Park, God, that whatever our thorns in the flesh are, for each of us. God, I pray that they will put their trust in you and that they will trust your strength and that it will be made perfect in their weakness. Give us hope. Give us the future. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, Find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.